Hi folks, my name is Girish Bally, the host for Back to Basics, another Back to Basics for another week for season two. Today we're going to talk to you about NFT, photographs, videos, maybe not, maybe photos only, but we'll get into the details of what NFT is and why is it so important in nowadays world and why can't we just take pictures the way it is? So why don't we just get to the details of that with the guest of mine today. His name is Hugh Brown and he's an amazing person. Amazing person. I just spoke with him a few minutes before the we start recording and he's a gem of a person. So Hugh, how are you? And thanks for coming back to Basics. Good, Gersh. Thanks very much for having me on. Thank you. So let's go dive right in. I mean, you... You are a photographer and just amazing stuff that you do. And I went to your website and it seems like you are pretty much all over the place when it comes to photographs. What made you get into this uh, field? Um, so there's two, two levels to that. Um, I was working in, I studied law and then was working in strategy consulting. And in 1998, I moved to the sort of, one of the most remote parts of Australia and had this feeling that I wouldn't be there very long. And, and so each weekend, because I thought my time there was going to be short, I'd go and see as much of the, that part of the country as I could. So, you know, each weekend, some weekends I'd drive up to two and a half thousand kilometers in a weekend. And I took a ca camera along with me and it was sort of a, you know, there were two components to it. There was adventure and then there was the camera and I couldn't have done the adventure without the camera, but I couldn't have done, the, the camera stuff without the adventure and in about 2004 I think it was I decided to turn full-time and then in 2006 I uh, did my first trip to Africa and Africa opened me up to a world that um, I didn't know existed I nearly didn't go and ne nearly didn't do the trip and um, but so glad that I did and that literally that first trip to Africa was only two weeks changed my life yeah yeah thank you thank you again how important is angles and lights when it comes to photographs? Can I just ask you a basic question on that? Yeah, look, um, light is the most important thing in photography. Um, and photography, um, the translation, I think was it Latin or Greek, one of the two, um, the Latin or Greek translation of photography is to paint with light. So if you, if you haven't got decent light working, then most of the time, 99% of the time, um, you're effectively working without brushes so lighting is everything and you can have the most ugly subject and if it's lit beautifully it can look amazing and you can have the most beautiful subject and if it's ugly lit then it looks terrible so lighting is everything do you think fake light is important or natural light is important or does it really matter what are your thoughts on that um it depends what you define as fake light um but if you if you you know i like to the best light um, is that which is natural. And if you can't work with natural light, then the equivalent of that is making artificial light look natural. And if you can light a subject so that it doesn't look as though it's been artificially lit, then that's a nirvana because it opens up so many different possibilities. Um, I've never liked artificial lighting that looks artificial. It just looks wrong. So most of the time i you know my skills with artificial lighting not as strong as they are with with natural lighting so I, I tend to work with natural lighting 
Yeah, th- thank you again uh, for that. It seems like a lot of people, they have different answers when it comes to uh, photographs because some people, they say fake light is awesome. Sometimes they say natural light is awesome. Um, the other question now I have is there are different types of uh, events that we go to, you know, the weddings and everything else. And I, me, myself, I'm a photographer, I'm a videographer, so I know what lighting is all about. But I guess my audience does not know. But let's say if we go to a wedding and an event and the light, let's say, is magenta or pink or purple. Do you think the semantics of the the skin color changes and the design kind of changes for the photos? Or do we just go white light and how how does that work? Um, look, you'd, I'm not a wedding photographer, so you'd be you'd best talk to a wedding photographer. But obviously, you want your skin tones to look as natural as possible because you know that's ultimately what you're capturing. And I, I, from what I understand, a lot of wedding photographers, you know, put a lot of time into the skin tones. And again, it sort of comes back to that. I think it still comes back to that same answer that the challenge for any photographer, any field, is to make lighting, if it's artificial lighting you're using. Um, not look artificial and um, one of the interesting challenges I suppose I had I was doing a book a few years ago and I was photographing um, uh, interviewing and photographing um, long-serving rail employees for one of the world's long largest heavy haul railways and one of the challenges I had was that everyone was wearing these ugly um, fluorescent shirts and so there are a couple of different ways that I worked to get around that or a few different ways that I worked to get around that problem because the yellow just overpowered their faces that overpowered everything. The first thing that I did was I split the book in two. So for every person I was going to photograph, and I needed about two or three photographs, hmm. um, half the photographs were going to be of them in their work environment, workplace, and the other half I decided to take them out of their work environment and put them in their private lives, you know, what they like doing outside of work. Um, the other thing that I did was um, where everything was yellow. The other thing that I tried to do was given the yellows were so dominant, I would often take them and put them on a yellow background. You know, I'm talking in a work environment as well. So, um, and what that would do was everything would be yellow. And so the things that stood out, would be the things that weren't yellow, which in the case we're talking about was their face. Mm. Um, and then a third third strategy that I used was to use, you know, um, lighting that you might think would look artificial, but in the context of on a heavy haul railway, it didn't look artificial. So, for example, it would be um, I'd put a red light on their, a red gel on their face. And that red gel might mirror the, um, the lighting from a, a railway signal light. Mm-hmm. So that's how I've tended to work in my environment when those challenges have arisen. As for a wedding sort of photographer, it's a bit hard for me to answer because I've always avoided weddings like the plague. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Thank you again for, for answering that question. So let's let's talk about NFT if that's okay with you. What yeah, is absolutely. what does NFT stand for? Obviously it's non fungible token, but what does it mean to you? Um to me, it represents a, um, a new direction in the art world, 
and a new opportunity and it's something that's completely confusing to me still um but it's something that I, I like the idea because it's break it breaks with a lot of the traditional ways that things have been done and um as people you know what, what tends to happen is and it's you know people could say the same about the music industry or whatever else channels evolve through which people can only you know they become the channels through which you do things and it becomes very hard to to break out of those and do things differently and i've always liked to do things differently and do things in my own way and um to me nfts represent an opportunity to market my art to a new group of people that perhaps in the past might not have been exposed to that form of art um and an opportunity obviously to monetize that as well so you know as much as we all do what we do for the love of what we do and and that's the fundamental reason you know i do my work it's because i love doing it it feels important um you're still going to make a living because you're not making a living you're not able to do what you're there to do yeah th thank you again uh, uh hugh brown so here if you look at my screen there's some few images of nfts which i've given examples and people can take a look at it uh, you think that nft is more of a expression or is it the new way to communicate with people or interact with people what are your thoughts on that i look look it's all of that it's a new form of expression um it's a new opportunity to express your work as art. Um, and I, look, I actually think that it creates all sorts of possibilities, both for the, for the artist, but also for the, um, for the buyer of NFT art. Hmm. And I say that because, you know, typically, whether it be offices or houses or wherever you're displaying art you've been limited to the piece of work that sits on the wall and i'm talking you know um paintings or photography or whatever else and you're limited to that one painting on the wall and to to, to change the presentation of the room that that art is in you have to literally take away that art and come back with something new i actually like the opportunity that things don't have to be stored in vaults anymore that they can be stored in um a digital form so that works can be rotated um the the areas in which those works are contained can be you know freshened up with new work i think it's i think it's a wonderful opportunity i think there's a lot of it creates a lot of opportunities in terms of um for the for the, the artist in terms of how you um you market the art the rights that you um sell with the art um the rights that you don't sell as well and i think that's that's a fantastic opportunity particularly as a you know me speaking as a photographer yeah yeah thank you thank you again so can we compare between what we used to do and what we're doing now let's say if we go to let's say a, a you know let's say a baby shower or birthday party or something and some people they have like a a poster collage right before the hall right is that considered nft so a poster collage as in in a digital format are you saying no 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 i'm just talking let's go back in time where we were back in the 80s and 90s we take a poster and we put a whole bunch of pictures around the the poster is that considered an nft 
obviously it'll be a digital version but does that mean that that's an nft uh, uh concept well if it's if it's in analog so if it's printed on paper and all of that sort of stuff then then obviously no it's not um an nft an nft represents a digital item and, and look i'm not an expert on this stuff of course not but an nft represents a digital image that is bundled with a series of digital rights um mm. And it's a different way of, you know, because obviously in the 80s, um, um, the, the digital form was largely not around, if at all. So um, it's, a, it, you know, the, the NFTs are just a completely different way of, you know, marketing and of presenting um, the work of painters, illustrators, photographers and whoever else. Hmm. Yeah, thank you. Do you think NFT is like a fad or do you think this is the way we're thinking now? Uh, look, again, okay, my, my default response is I'm new to the space. My um, gut feel to a large extent is that I think it's here to stay. And I think it's, I had it explained to me um, recently or I saw it explained recently that essentially we've got, we're in this crazy space where we're, we're heading towards the thing called the metaverse. And we've heard about Facebook and that recently. And then at the other end, so you've got the metaverse at say one, one end of the spectrum at the alternate end of the spectrum, you've got um, NFT art. And then in the middle, the transition pathway, we've got gaming and from everything that I can see, and it's, uh, you know, we're probably the same age, everything that I can see suggests that it's here to stay, um, that we're all headed towards this um, virtual space called the metaverse, where we'll be able to do all these sort of crazy things like do basically do everything in the metaverse that we can do in the physical world. You know, we can go on holidays, we'll be able to um, play sport, we'll be able to go to movies, we'll be able to buy property. Um, We'll be able to go to art galleries virtually, which you know we can do already now. But um, and then at our end of the space where we're at, was the, the sort of foot in the water type thing, getting towards the metaverse, is this um, concept of NFTs, and it's a it's a fascinating space. That you know the the, the the whole there's so many different ways you can bundle up NFT rights, and that um, yeah. And I'm again, I'm only new to this space, but it introduces a whole new range of potential buyers of art um, compared to what we used to buy, you know, people use how people used to buy art. Yeah. Yeah. Thank, thank you again. It, it, it seems like, I mean, yes, you are a photographer, but NFTs, an expression of uh, a, an artist, right? And it could be a photographer, a videographer, it could be a musician, it could be, uh, a programmer because programmer is also uh, in the back end is all about metaverse right and who creates this whole mess that we're in not really a mess but a new world that we're getting into so i think it's it's a yeah. great uh platform that we're getting into people have explained to me that um nft is a is bad for environment and bad for investment but i i feel in a different way that maybe it's actually great for us to interact and express uh, art in, in a different form. 
and that's what you're doing. And I think uh, so. Your latest uh, event on this uh, NFT, where where did you go to get this? I think let's talk about that uh, for a few minutes there. So where the art came from? Yeah. Yeah. So that came from a trip I did to I did a couple of trips to Indonesia some years ago, um, and I was photographing people that were working in an active volcano, um, mining sulfur um, by hand. And so I spent, I think, three weeks in the volcano with these. It was an active volcano, and I spent three weeks in the volcano with these miners, living with them, eating with them, um, doing whatever else with them. And, yeah, it was it was an, one of the most incredible experiences in my life. I think the first night I slept on the mountain, um, there was a an earthquake, I think 5.4, something like that. Mm -hmm. I was so exhausted, I slept through it. But it, it was fascinating because you're in one of the most tectonically active places on Earth. And um, a couple of those nights, I actually slept inside the volcano, mm. um, just looking for different images and all of that sort of stuff. But there, at the time, I think it was about between, anywhere between 150 and 300 sulfur miners and what they did was they would um the they'd put these ceramic pipes into an active volcanic vent mm. and the gases from this vent came from a magma chamber about 20 kilometers directly below a crater lake that was one of the most acidic was the most acidic lake on earth mm -hmm. and the gases would come up at about 600 degrees celsius and they would enter these pipes and the pipes would help condense the gases into a liquid. And then when the temperature of the liquid came out the end of the pipes and dropped below, I think it was 140 degrees Celsius, it would become molten sulfur. So um, these sulfur miners from villages around would come up um, daily to the volcano they would chisel away blocks of this. And the average carry of the sulfur miners out of the volcano was about 70 kilograms. Mm -hmm. So to give that, put that in context, that's about um, hundred probably 170, 180 pounds mm. per miner. And they, each of these miners only weighed about 55 kilograms. So they're carrying more than their body weight. Mm. They would carry out of, up and out a treacherous path and the volcano, when, when I was there anyway, was on the second highest level of alert. So basically an eruption was imminent. And they carried a kilometre up and out of the crater, which people had died carrying up out of that crater because it was so treacherous. And then they would carry it a further three kilometres down to, so two miles um, down to a drop-off point. And they were getting paid, um, in US dollar terms, they were getting paid 6.6 .6 cents per kilogram carried. So if you're carrying an average load of um, 70 kilograms, you're only getting around about $4.50 US mm. for carrying that 175, 180 pound load. Mm. And most, and, and the fit sulfur miners would do it probably two times a day. Mm. Um, and then there were a group of technicians inside the volcano that maintained um, the pipes and that sulfur that they pulled out of the volcano would be used for, you know, whitening sugar, for vulcanizing rubber, plastics production, um, and whatever else. It's just a, interestingly, these these miners were um, 
famous around the world and tourists would come and look at these people doing what they were doing because it's such an, an out, out of worldly experience yeah 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 thank you thank you again Hugh for coming on the show uh, I have one last question if you don't mind and I ask this question yeah. all the time to all the guests what are your thoughts what does back to basic mean to you um, it's an interesting question in the context of life at the moment with COVID. Um, to me, life in back to basics means multiple things that have direct relevance to what we're doing at the moment. So, for example, um, I think we need to get away from this throwaway world to regain um, self-sufficiency in much of what we do, you know, like is if most, if the world went to hell in a handbasket now and we had a Hurricane Katrina situation or Fukushima situation and there was a breakdown in law and order, whatever it else, most people wouldn't have a clue. They couldn't change a tire. They couldn't, they couldn't start a campfire. Mm. Um, the second back to basics also means going back to period, yeah, common sense. So, and, and, in the global sphere, what that means at the moment is we've, the, the world has become so interdependent that we don't know how to cope hmm. when that elements of that interdependency break down. So, um, you know, a, a cardinal rule of business is don't consolidate all your sourcing within one supplier. You don't, um, consolidate all your sales within one buyer because if that buyer or that supplier something happens to them um, then they all you know the whole thing breaks down and I think we're in this risk, really risky period at the moment where the interdependency is being found wanting and 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 people are by necessity having to revert, to revert back to basics yeah yeah thank you thank you again Hugh for coming here and and I, I guess you are very excited about the new journey that you're getting into which is the nft world and hopefully you will do well i know you will do well because you have done some phenomenal work and i've seen it and uh hopefully when when i have a little more extra time i will start investing on nft and and start purchasing uh, your items so thank you again for all the stuff that you do it's great thank you again that's fantastic, Girish. I really appreciate you um, taking the time to talk with me. Yeah, thank, thank you again, Hugh, for coming on the show. And uh, stay blessed and enjoy all the stuff that you do. Thank you again. Thanks, Girish. So, guys, we spoke with Hugh today and we talked about the basics of NFT. We talked about the basics of photos and how to take photos. How does lighting work? How does everything work? and what his new venture is all about. As usual, as always, there is a quote of the day and hopefully you would like that quote of the day. The quote of the day is, if you are an artist and want to be successful artist, then learn to convert your art into NFT art. I think that's what he's trying to do. That's what he's gonna do. I'm, I know that and I have faith in him. As usual, as always, what do we always say at the end of the episode? Everything in life goes back to basics, and that's what we did today, guys. Guys, comment as much as you can, good, bad, and ugly. Either way, it'll make my show strong day by day, week by week, month by month, and this is what I do. I enjoy this stuff. 
and there are three things that we enjoy in this episode or every episode that I've done so far. The content is amazing, the guest is awesome, and third of all, the host is the best. Guys, take care, God bless, and stay blessed, and see you next week. Next week's episode on Back to Basics. Clients uh, or selling a product and your thought about the people you're selling to is that they are idiots. You're like, here, I'm going to sell this to you, you idiot. That's going to convey. They're not going to want to buy from you because they can feel that sense of like condescension or judgment or whatever that is. And uh, you would be surprised how many people in sales have that kind of a thought process going about the people that they're supposed to be serving. Mm. Instead of something like that, choose something more helpful, right? Mm. So, um, you know, something like uh, this can really help them is a really helpful mantra. Um, Something like, uh, you know, I'm going to learn something new in this interaction or what a great opportunity to get to know somebody. You know, all of these messages that we give ourselves influence how we show up. And so that is something you can sort of make a conscious choice about. I would not suggest that you purposefully test this by going, I'm so annoyed. I'm going to be really annoyed. I'm very annoyed. And then just see if people pick that up because, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, definitely. For sure. Yeah. You know, the thing is, I what I realized in this couple of years that we have got into this COVID mess, okay, what I have noticed is are we concentrating on communication more now? versus 